This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. There are many things about the ministry of William Marion Branham that I find shocking as I review and I compare them to actual Bible scriptures and historical accounts and Branham's own contradictions. You'll find these things mentioned on many of the apologetic sites with long discussion threads. Supporters of cult members and supporters of the cult arguing against the mounting pile of evidence which has no supportive argument. I find those arguments interesting because many of the findings against the cult are final and absolute. Like elementary math, they're arguing that 2 plus 2 must must equal 7 because Branham claims 7 to be a spiritual number. It's that basic. But there's one topic that you won't find too many cult members discussing. They know in their hearts that this is a problem one that denies the very core of Christianity. Not only that, to admit what is presented before them, Branham's soul would be given the plagues that are listed in the book of Revelation. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is a very simple teaching. All books in the Bible point back to the Gospel, all telling the story. The prophets pointed to it, foretelling the coming Messiah. The stories in the Old Testament were representations of the events to come. And even the idolatry that the children of Israel continually practiced was a major part of the story. Abraham was given a promise. The seed of Abraham would be as the sands of the sea, such a great number that only God would be able to count. Those that were taught this little bride theology of that day, separating themselves from the children of Israel, were cut off from the nation and were not part of the lineage of Abraham. The people wanted to practice works righteous faith. They wanted it. So they begged Moses to return up to the mountain and receive the Mosaic law, the things that they must uphold themselves to be saved by their own power. And they tried to save themselves, but they failed. First they started with judges, people who were the decision makers for the people. 
These judges were given authority, but many times would fall into corruption. The people who trusted them were led astray, and over time the people realized that placing a single man or woman into power was a very bad idea. And as the people continued to fail, God would send a prophet. Under the old covenant, salvation rested on the shoulders of the people, and therefore God must speak through those same people. A prophet would rise and remind them that they had fallen into idolatry and give them warning that they must repent or perish and then set the people back on track. But we find that mankind cannot save themselves. A single appointed decision maker will not bring salvation. Even the voice of the prophet coming directly from God did not bring them salvation. Time after time, these people fell back into idolatry. But the Heavenly Father was looking down on His children and continued to love them. His punishment was great for their sin, and His anger was kindled when they tried to replace Him with other gods. The people had broken the covenant. They were unable to lift their part of the bargain. The prophet started to prophesy that a Messiah would come, one who would restore them back to the original faith of the fathers, that faith that did not require works for their, for their salvation. They were being restored back to the faith of Father Abraham, who lived under the grace of the Father. God's covenant with Abraham was an everlasting covenant. The Old Covenant law given by Moses was not permanent and was a hindrance towards fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant. If the Old Covenant would have continued, by law, God would have wiped the children of Israel from the face of the earth. They had broken the covenant, and they deserved punishment, and that punishment was death. But God loved His children. God loved Abraham. And God keeps his promises. He promised that Abraham, he promised to Abraham that his seed would be a multitude without number. And he loved those that were destined to perish. So God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And Christ would pay the penalty for their sin, pay the price of the old covenant. Christ knew his destiny. He prayed to the Father that if there was any other way, let the cup pass from him. But there was no other way. Either Christ pay the ultimate penalty, or mankind would perish. Christ also knew that the people would feel abandoned and alone after he paid the price. He knew that his leaving would cause many good people to fall, and he knew that even through, though their penalty was paid in full, they would need a helper and a guide. God no longer spoke through the prophets to guide the children of Israel in their ways. There were many with the gift of prophecy. But Christ knew that when the price was paid and the weight of burden was lifted from the shoulders of the people, the people would receive their, their instruction directly from God and not from man. So he promised his Holy Spirit to, to the people. This was a gift one that would lead them and guide them until he returned to claim them for his bride. 
Christ bore the pain of their sin on the cross. With each strike of the hammer into the nail, our sins were lifted and carried from us, never to be remembered. Then, as it was finished, he went on to conquer death, hell, and the grave. No longer would we be required to die for the sins of our fathers. Our hearts were brought back to the original faith, brought back to the faith of Abraham. And this was big news. The Bible calls it good news. In fact, the word gospel literally translated means good news. It was the good news that Christ paid the penalty to restore the people back into favor with the Father. But then Christ did what Satan has tried to stop since the very day that he arose. Christ gave the Great Commission, the commission to make believers in all nations. Not believers in a prophet or in a messenger. Christ commissioned us to believe in Him. We are to spread the good news that He has lifted us from our sins and that He bore our penalty. And now we are heirs to His kingdom. Matthew 28 gives the words of Christ as He gives the Great Commission. It says this, then the eleven disciples went into Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28. Satan has tried to stop the commission every way possible, from the slaughter of the early Christians to infecting the church with false doctrine. A spiritual battle has been raged. Satan has employed all of his forces against this commission, gutting it at the very core and even in the name of Christianity. You won't find pastors in the cult that will defend William Branham's ripping apart of the Great Commission. They know in their hearts that Branham's statements against the Great Commission are blasphemy. Branham ripped apart every single aspect of this commission. It was as if he were standing there stabbing a knife repeatedly into the back of Christ as these words were given. Some of the disciples doubted. Branham falsely claimed that sin was the attributes of unbelief, which was an attack directly against the disciples. Yet we find that the disciples worshipped him even though some of them were weaker in faith. Branham attacked the authority, following in the footsteps of Charles Taze Russell and the long line of cults descending back through time. Branham promoted the idea that Jesus Christ was just Michael the archangel, lowering Christ in authority to that of an angel and almost even equal to the fallen angels. The disciples that the Branham cult send out to the nations are not making disciples of Christ. 
they're passing out books of Branham. The headquarters admits that this is the gospel of Branham and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. On the website, they describe how Branham's gospel offers salvation. They write this, His, Branham's, legacy is the salvation of millions of souls that accepted Christ because of His, Branham's, gospel. It's on Branham.org. They even capitalize the word gospel as though Branham's gospel should be equal to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself instructed us to go forth baptizing the nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This was after he had risen and after given all authority. But Branham followed the teachings of the many cult leaders before him and promoted the idea that the words of Christ were not good enough. Just like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, Branham changed one word. You shall not go forth baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's evident whose authority Branham was speaking under when he denied the words of Christ because it's the very same authority, the very same authority of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Then to in order to deny the words of Christ, Branham added to the Word of God. The very end of the Bible, the book that Branham was denying, condemns what happens next. The very end of the Bible is actually fitting. It binds all of the gospel of Jesus Christ together. It protects the Word of God. And it reminds us of the Great Commission. It says this in Revelation 22, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you to give this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Listen to this. The Spirit, capitalized, and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. But then it says this, I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person any share of the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. Jesus was speaking. He was telling us that the Holy Spirit was beckoning, come. And the bride, filled with his Holy Spirit, were also beckoning, come. They had been given the Great Commission, and the Holy Spirit was leading them and guiding them as they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But last came warning. If anyone adds to this book, I, Jesus, will send him the plagues that are described in this very scroll. His punishment will be a punishment with the authority of Christ in the spiritual realm. A punishment for the demons. As William Branham attacked the Great Commission, 
He ignored this warning. Branham did not care about the plagues. His authority did not come from God as he attacked the instruction from Jesus Christ. Branham denied the words that Christ gave in the commission, the part that was the promise. Jesus says this, And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. But Branham added to the words of Christ. He added to the word of God. In one single paragraph, which he would promote and would become doctrine that is promoted all around the world, Branham added these words. But not just these words. He also invented another Bible verse. He invented a Bible verse to call himself a liar. And the people did not even catch it. He says this. He says, And I was born into sin, shaped in iniquity. Listen to this. Come into the world speaking lies. Worthy to go to hell, but he redeemed me. And the only hands that he has on earth tonight is my hands and your hands. The only mouth that he has. Listen to this. The only mouth that he has is my mouth and your mouth. He says, I will be with you. And here's where he adds the words. I will be with you even in you until the end of the world. He says, is that his word? See? Then it's him, not you that speaketh, but your heavenly Father that dwelleth in you. He doeth. will tell you at that hour, you see. It's 1951, the angel of the Lord. Psalm 51.5 mentions how we are born into sin. And all mankind is and will be born into sin until Christ returns. We will sin daily. We're all unworthy of the sacrifice, but we're not born liars. Psalm 51.5 says this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Absolutely nothing to do with a liar. Branham combined this verse, he mixed it together with Psalm 58.3 to promote the idea that he could speak lies to his congregation and not be condemned for it. Psalm 58.3 says this, the wicked, let me repeat, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They will go astray from birth, speaking lies. Notice which ones are the ones coming to speak the lies. The wicked. Branham added the words, even in you, to the Great Commission, so that he could deny the Holy Spirit that Christ promised to send. The Holy Spirit that Christ said would lead us and guide us would be replaced by the entire cult, replaced by a prophet. No longer would we need the Holy Spirit. We have a prophet to lead us and to guide us. Forget about the Great Commission. We have a prophet's commission. And he told us to ignore the Great Commission. He told us that the words in our Bibles are wrong. Ignore how Jesus says to baptize we have a better way. I, for one, will stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will stand up for the Great Commission and the words of my Lord and Savior. I will put the words of Christ above the words of any other man. I will not stand for a man who came into this world speaking lies, 
and then twisted Bible scriptures to tell us that the good guys all came into the world speaking their lies. I believe the Bible when it says the wicked are the ones who came into the world speaking lies. You won't find too many arguments once this is posted in the forums. Cult pastors avoid this like the plague because they know in their hearts that this is true. And when I say they avoid it like the plague, they know that that is scriptural. Because anyone who adds to the Word of God adds the plagues of revelation to themselves. And they do not want these plagues. While they're afraid to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will find that they're not afraid to avoid something that will bring plagues to their soul. It's a shame that they do not realize that by spreading false doctrine, they are still in breach of this very same commandment that's given in the book of Revelation.